Hi. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks happy, for asking. Uh, happy Monday night. We made it for another week. I know, right? Where are you I know. You it was definitely a Monday today. Oh, it was a big Monday today. Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah. There's a little delay Always. in the in the live. I so know. if I say something, I'm gonna pause for a second. I've never seen a delay like that before. It's not doing it now, so hopefully it won't do it anymore. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's just let's just hope we're good. You are well, who are you? I'm Megan Tackett and I'm an occupational therapist. What is an occupational therapist? So glad that you asked. So an occupational therapist, um, if you know what a PT is, one way that a lot of people like to describe it is PT helps you walk. OT helps you walk with clothes on. So I help people gain the like the ability to do anything that they're not able to do independently. So if they have an injury, a disability, an illness, a surgery, and it's impacting their independence to get dressed, roll over, shower, any self-care task or driving or anything that they can't do on their own, I help them regain how to do that. You referenced so. PT. What is PT? Physical therapy. They um, Basically, they work on strengthening, walking, transfers, your gait, and help people relearn how to walk again. So, Why did you pick OT over PT? Um. I really like being creative and I really like helping people gain their independence back and being, um, I don't know, I can just, I can pick what we like to do. Like you can use games. I work on safety. I work on memory. OT is very holistic. It works on everything. Like if there's something in their environment that's impacting their ability to do something, I can change that. Um, I can do adaptations to their home and it's also like a teaching thing. I'm teaching them how to do things in a new way that they've not learned before. And so I just think it's so great whenever someone's like, I put my shoe on for the first time in months, or um, I was able to go from the bed to the chair or even just rolling over like, and also I help people relearn how to eat again. And it's just so crazy because people will get on trachs and then they can't eat. And there's been like this past year, a patient didn't eat anything for a whole year because she had the peg tube in um, and then she had a trach. So whenever she got the trach cannulated, she was able to start eating again. So I was able to teach her how to reuse her arms. And so it's just a very rewarding job. It's really hard, but I really like it a lot. Why did you, when you were in college, were you like, okay, I kind of want to be a therapist or were you like, I want to be a doctor? How did you nestle yourself okay. into OT? Good question. So senior year of high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I had a job shadowing class and I took a personality test and it said like all these like random things like artist, musician, and then it said PT and OT. And I was like, I didn't know what OT was. I knew what PT was. And I YouTubed it and I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. And I found someone in my church that was an OT and I job shadowed it. And I went to school going in knowing that I wanted to do that. And it was a very competitive program. So you do two years of prerequisite classes and then you apply for the undergrad program, which is occupational science. And they only accept 50 people in the program. So it's very competitive. And so uh, my advisor was like, you need to have a backup plan just in case, even though I had really good grades, you have to have like 
straight A's to get into the program. And you have to take certain classes like um, advanced anatomy and things like that to get into the program. And I prayed about it and I got in. And so, yeah, that's pretty much it. I took a personality test and it actually worked. You're basically saying you're just super smart <laughs> without saying I'm super smart. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. And where did you end up? Did you end up at a hospital, retirement community? What setting are you in right now? I'm currently in a skilled nursing facility, so a nursing home, and, but it's a 150 bed facility. So it's, huge. there's some people that stay and then there's some people that are just short term rehab for like two weeks. So it all kind of depends on Medicare, right? Like most of those patients are on a Medicare program. Yeah, we have Medicaid and Medicare and it depends on like for me the part of my job it's like really crucial like i could be the make or break if they can go home because if they're not independent to go say they live by themselves if they can't shower by themselves they're not safe they could do everything but it could be not safe and i could say okay they're not safe to go home then we kind of have to look at like the long-term care for that patient or if they just don't have the family support that they need for the areas of their life that they can't achieve on their own like they can't they don't have community support to go to doctor's appointments. They can't drive and all these other aspects. So it's like a lot of factors that you have to consider whenever Do you, you ever have a patient who says, listen, I need to be here for a few more days. Let me stay. And you're like, listen, you're passing all the tests. Time to go home. Well, a lot of them want to go home and they're excited. I try to make sure like I come up with so when you're a therapist, PT, OT, or speech, we all work together. Um, sometimes the patient doesn't need speech, but usually they have OT and PT. And so we write short-term goals and long-term goals. And so I try to make sure that they reach all of those. And we have like certain things called like progress notes. So like say two weeks have went by since I've wrote those goals and I address that and I see where they're at with those goals. And if they've met them, I create new ones. And then hopefully they're able to go home shortly after that. What's your longest tenured patient that you work with and that you don't work with in skilled nursing? Like which one's been there the longest? Yeah, like 180 days, no discharge. Um, well, I've definitely, so I've worked there. I've only worked at this place for a, a year and a half. But there, so what it is, is we have a unit that's locked because there's patients that they walk around that you wouldn't know that they had dementia. There's a lot of people with dementia, Alzheimer's and uh, behavioral issues and things like that, that we have it locked with a code. So like they can't go in and out. And so a lot of them that are on that unit have been living there for like the past three or four years. And we have like people that are in there 96, like we had last year, she, she passed away, but she was 103. And she'd been living there for quite some time. Yeah, centenarian, right? I think that's what they call them when you break 100. Yeah. And so my shortest term one was probably like two weeks. So. Oh, wow. That's actually longer than I was expecting to hear. Two weeks is, that's yeah. quick or no? What's your average stay for a resident? Um, it depends on what they're coming there for. If they've came from like a surgery, typically it's for like two weeks. Whenever I evaluate them, I put in like five, depending on their insurance, depends on how many times I see them per week. But I, um, 
I usually put five times a week for two weeks. So they're being seen multiple times within that two weeks. So it makes like I can mark off all the boxes to make sure like they're safe to return home. You mentioned uh, speech pathology, I think. What is that? What is a speech therapist? So speech works on. So here's the thing. So OT, I work on the food to the mouth and making sure that they can get it there. They work on the process of them chewing the food and swallowing it safely. And they also work on cognition, but I too also work on cognition. So OT overlaps with PT and speech. Um, but those are the two main things that they work on is cognition with like safety, memory, and then swallowing. How do you help somebody get food from here to here? What do you do? Guide their hands? <laughs> Well, so there's, there's multiple like, um, things that could go wrong. So if someone's had a stroke or, um, they just don't have enough coordination, I work on like, so say if someone has Parkinson's disease and they have a resting tremor and they're like shaking like this, a lot of times I can put like a weighted, um, I can give them a weighted utensil and put a wrist weight on their uh, wrists and that helps to slow the shake. So that way they're able to eat again. And sometimes like I had a patient who had a brain injury. And so it was more of just working that arm and stretching it and then having them practice. It's called like a functional grasp and functional reach. So I'd have like objects and I have them reach for it, working on that range, which is basically it's range of motion. So like this is full range of motion for your shoulder. And so sometimes when we have an injury or a surgery, then you lose that ability in that shoulder for what like an injury most... to the shoulder or huh go ahead go ahead no please keep going keep going um but yeah it just depends it's also too strengthening you know in the elderly population they're really weak so working on strengthening so sometimes they don't have enough strength to bring food to their mouth so i often work on working on that motion with like weights or just going like this without the food and working on their grip strength. Sometimes they don't have enough strength to, or sometimes they have arthritis and it hurts their hands for them to grip something tightly because I have a spoon right here. Whenever you're grabbing this, it's pretty thin. So I can put a built up handle on this and that way they're able to grasp it easier or they make things where you can slide it on their hand and then they're not even having to hold on to it. And it's just, it's those simple things that make them independent and feel like they're not being babied. And, it, and it's just, no one wants to lose their independence in any area of their life, so. How many times are you seeing somebody who comes to skilled nursing and then they get discharged and then they come back? Oh, I've had like two or three people come back already. So Why? oftentimes people, because they end up having a fall, they'll go home and they will fall and they will fracture their shoulder, fracture their hip. I've even had patients, like I've had one come in on a Friday. I didn't even get to eval them and they fell and they fractured their hip oh and then gosh. they came back. And so their original problem wasn't that bad, but when they came back because they were unsafe and got up without help, they were in a worse situation than they were when they first got there. When you have a gate belt around somebody, it's pretty unlikely they're going to fall and hurt themselves. So it was totally, they just got up because they think they can do it and they just could not do it. Yeah. Well, especially with patients with dementia, they don't remember you telling them do not get up without help because it's that motor memory of the motor planning that they're used to doing that. And so 
they don't remember that they're not allowed to do that anymore because they've been doing that their whole life. And so they don't realize, oh, this isn't safe for me to do. They've lost that safety awareness in their brain. So what do you see is the most common injury? Cause it's probably all, I would imagine of the 175 patients you have 98% of them are 60 plus. What's that common injury? I would say hip, uh, fractures like femur fractures and things like that. Um, and shoulder fractures. How are, are they doing common. it? Trying to mow the lawn, get up the stairs. Fall. I've no joke. So I recently had a case where a husband and wife, they fell one fell on Thursday and the other one fell on Friday and they broke the same hip. I thought <laughs> when I read their like discharge summary, I was like, did they fall together? Were That's they in a adorable. car accident? No. She was like, I guess we're just so alike that we just decided to fall and break the same hip. I'm like, that's so cute. <laughs> and get the same <laughs> hospital bill. <laughs> so yeah, and a lot of CNAs, no like offense to CNAs, um, they're the ones that help them get dressed and stuff. Like they basically will do everything for them and like change them and things like that. But a lot of times they don't use a gate belt. So they're like pulling under their arms and, and things like that. Um, but it's always safer to use a gate belt because it's secure and they can hold on to it. What about your individuals who are maybe pushing 300 pounds plus? I would imagine it's pretty hard to get a gate belt around. And a gate belt, what does a gate belt look in? I don't have one with me, but you just snap it around and you fasten it. Um, they make longer ones for patients like that. Now, here's one thing about OT and PT. So independent is like the highest level that you can get. It goes from dependent to independent and there's like different varieties. So it's dependent max assist, which is like literally you're doing like 75% of the work, mod assist, min assist, and then contact guard, which is me just holding on to the gate belt. And then standby assist is I'm watching them and then independent is they're doing everything by themselves. So a lot of times I get patients that are dependent and I have to get them uh, to independent. So Whenever someone enters the nursing home, I talk to either them or their caretakers and I'm like, what was their prior level of function? So what were they doing in all these areas? Like were they independent and in feeding themselves, getting dressed, showering, all that stuff. And like, what's the goal? Like, what are you okay with to get them to? So I can write goals that are appropriate for them to get them back home. Because a lot of people, they need patients that can transfer, which means getting from one place to the next, like the bed to the chair. So some patients need to go and be like wheelchair, like assist levels, or they need to be walking. So it's really important to like figure out what assist level they need to be. If that makes sense. Does, no, that, that makes sense? total sense. I totally, okay. I'm following everything you're saying. Okay. How often do you find yourself that you get emotionally attached to some of these residents? Oh, every day. I literally cry all the time. <laughs> I tear up, they're so sweet. I love them like they're my grandparents and they're like, you can't go anywhere. And so I'm like, oh, so if I want to leave, okay. I feel like, no, nah, I feel like I'm convicted. But yeah, they're awesome. What, what's a resident that you had a poor experience with where all the nurses were like, gosh, I just can't wait for them to discharge. What did they do? What, what's one of your worst residents? I mean, I've had a patient spit in my face before. What'd you do? And attack me. I just kept on going. <laughs> this was like, what did you do to I get spit in the, the face? face. <laughs> I mean, have been spit in the face. I've been slapped in the face. 
today, let me just tell you what happened today. I walk in to evaluate a patient and she's a patient that's been there for like a few years. And I walk in butt naked in the bed. She doesn't ever want to wear clothes. And I saw a pile of poop on the floor. And so you just never know what you're going to walk into and how patients are going to be, especially with dementia. There's like the, whenever it gets later, it's like sundowners, they like start acting differently. Um, and also UTIs are very common in the nursing home and they start hallucinating. They start acting very agitated and not like their typical baseline, like not their personality at all. So it's very interesting. I'm never bored in the nursing home. How often do people have blowouts? Is that common? Often. And what's a blowout? Well, they just use the bathroom all over themselves. <laughs> and it happens all the time, all the time. Why and do you think so it is? then I'm I don't know. I don't know if it's like the medicine they're on. Sometimes if they're having constipation, they take medicine. So then they have blowouts and especially if they're, if they have a feeding tube game over, you're more than likely to see that often throughout the day. Let's say I get in a car accident. Pray God I don't, but let's say I do. What are the likelihoods that I'm going into that kind of setting? What do I have to do to get admitted in something like that. Does everybody go to OTPT? Well, so there's different settings for OT. Like you can work in the school settings, like you can work through literally birth all the way up to like hospice almost. And um, so, so if you're discharging, you go to the hospital, you have a car accident. If you are not where you need to be to go home at that point, then they will send you to a nursing home for continued therapy. So if you have, or like if it's an outpatient surgery, like a hip surgery, they'll send you to a nursing home just to have some short-term rehab because in the hospital, the turnover is so quick and we're able to like slow things down and like work with you. And it's not like an indefinite thing. Like there's some people that have stayed for a month and a half or two months and then they go home mm. or they go, they come and then they go and then they come back. I've had a patient. <sighs> One of my patients, he's been to my nursing home four times in the past two years. That's a lot of times. He fell. Or broken hips. Mm -hmm. Fractured shoulder, a wound. Sometimes um, there's nursing needs too. Sometimes there's not even therapy needs. It's like continued nursing needs. Whenever you have like an infection or a wound, you need that continued care like every day. So they'll come to the nursing home and get... And sometimes we'll pick them up anyways, just so that they don't lose the skills that they already have. Do you ever have homeless people who end up there? Oh, well, I have one lady that she was living in a motel. So not homeless, but I've had one lady that was living in a motel, 98 years old. And she fell. And so now she lives there. And it's probably for the best because the janitor was her caretaker. So... You just, all these situations and you just never can be prepared for the things that, like every day I can't really be prepared. I just pray and say, God, direct my steps, help me to know what to do in all these situations because I'm constantly being thrown into situations that, you know, school can only prepare you so much. And I think one thing that is important to have is really good communication and people skills and how to be empathetic and understand when 
someone's in a certain situation of how you should react, like what's appropriate, what's not, and to just love them as you would love yourself, like how you would want to be treated in a situation if you were in a nursing home or if you were in pain. And I think just to not get desensitized in the roles when you're in healthcare is super important. What's the next step? Where do you go from OT? Is PT above OT or do you go to what's next? No, they're, they're all like, I guess they're all three equal, like they're all three different jobs. And so OT was, I so I have my master's in OT. So like I did two years of undergrad and then I, or four years of undergrad, two years in the OS program. Then I did two years of my master's. And so now they've changed OT to doctorate level and PT's doctorate level. I'm not sure what SLP is, speech therapy, um, but they're all three different, but we all work together collectively for a patient. So that way they can walk, they can get dressed, they can, you know, swallow their food safely and just everything that they need to do. Like we work together as a team and sometimes we co-treat if there's things like if I'm working on safety and sequencing of like, for example, getting up from the bed to the chair or the wheelchair, whenever you go from a wheelchair to a bed, the first step you have is you have to lock your wheelchair. So speech therapy will come in and we work on COG and just safety to see if they're retaining all the information that we're teaching them. Because if they're not having carryover of the information we're teaching them, they're not going to remember it when they go home. That makes sense. Do you think you'll do this forever? Or do you think you'll go back to school to get a doctorate to be a doctor? Even though you're practically a doctor right now. Well, so the thing is like the doctorate is all research. And if I wanted to become a professor or do research, then I would go that route. But I don't see myself going back to school. I like what I do right now. I don't know if I'm going to stay in the nursing home setting very long. I don't know. I'm just, one thing about me is I pray about everything. So I never say never because I always said like, I'll never be a server. And then I was a server for two and a half years. So honestly, I don't know what my future holds. So I just take it day by day. But the nursing home setting is really a good setting to work in because it helps you realize that you really need people in your life to care about you. And, and it's just awesome. I love it. Do you find there's a lot of patients that don't have any family and they're just kind of in their retirement age nobody's there they're just fending for themselves there are some patients that and here's the thing too i take i don't sit there and say well they don't have anyone coming you know unless someone's told me that because i work monday through friday nine to five and the nice thing about ot or just working in the nursing home setting i can come in early and get off early but typically i work like nine to five so patients uh family members typically work till five or six or something so i don't know all the patients who have family members but there's a lot that their family members just drop them off and they don't ever come see them so you said you were going to you're looking potentially at getting out of the nursing home how come and where are you going um, well, I don't know exactly when, but I think that because OT is so broad, I can work in multiple different settings. I don't want to lose the skills for like, example, like peds and um, acute care and all these other skilled services that I could provide for people. There's things that I can't do in the nursing home that I could do in other places or just maybe more like meaningful, like you can work with young athletes and like, it's just a whole different area whenever depending on where you work 
So especially like peds, you know, you're working on patients that are itty bitty and they're rolling over and they're, they're learning how to walk and hand write and tie their shoes. And so it's just, I think that that's one way that you don't get burnout is by switching to different areas. And I think it's going to help you be the best overall therapist and practitioner is to maintain your skills that you learned in school. What can somebody, they go through now eight years of school, what's a pay range that, that you can expect to make being an OT? Um, well, see there's salary and then there's hourly. Um, currently I make $38 an hour. So that's pretty good. And I just received a raise for two, a $2 raise. So nice. I haven't accepted it yet because I'm negotiating. So you should, um, that seems incredibly I'm, low for what I you're know. doing. I know. We'll see. And also here's the thing too, is that, um, that was like my straight out of school pay. So you kind of take what you can get cause you don't have experience. So it's hard for you to sit there and say, well, I deserve this when you've not really done any thing. They're all about experience in the therapy world. And, um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something else, but, oh, hey, so I did, pay- there you go. I did PRN when I first started, which is as needed. So right now I'm full-time. If you work PRN, you make, like I made $10 more an hour. I made, I made actually more than that. I made $50 an hour whenever I did PRN. And the only thing is with PRN, you don't get benefits. And currently like I'm, I pay everything by myself. So I really need the benefits. Like I'm like, I think that hopefully maybe whenever I get married one day that I can like have my husband's benefits and do PRN again. But that's one good thing about that is like you can do PRN part-time or full-time. It's not just a full-time position. There's such a thing as traveling nurses and they get paid a ton of money. Do -hmm. you have an opportunity to be a traveling occupational therapist? I do, but they want to send you to like the most random places and I guess that's the whole point of it they wanted to send me to South Williamson Kentucky have you ever heard of that place never exactly (laughs) and and they wanted to pay me $40 an hour and I'm thinking that's that's not that much more that's what I'm saying I'm like what incentive do I have zero but there's different contracting companies and so with that company they just were trying to lowball people so I know a friend who's in the uh, recruitment process for it. And sometimes I'll see her post things of 60 to $70 an hour for these traveling nurses. I'm like, that's crazy. And I I used to oversee a big community and there was a traveling nurse who was there for like three months. And it's like, I think she was at $80 an hour and she was doing like 60 hour weeks. I was like, Oh my God. And so ever since I'm like, okay, the traveling girls are making a ton of money right now. It's mostly girl dominated, right? Most OTs, PTs. Yeah, mostly. There are a lot of guy PTs. There's not a lot of guy OTs. I think there was like five people in our, and like, so like there's a transition program and then there's like the regular program. There's 50 with the regular and then 20, I think with the transition. So there's like 70 of us. There's five guys. Not that many. Yeah. A lot of guys don't care. Why do you think that is? What's the reason for no guys in occupational therapy? I feel like, I don't know, you're having to get, I don't know, you're like having to get people dressed and take them to the shower and do all these things that are like really like up close and personal. So I feel like 
women were more like caretakers in a sense. Not that a guy can't be. They absolutely can be. But typically a lot of girls are more like nurturing. And I feel like maybe that's why. I don't really know why. But that if I had to guess, that's what I would say. Do you have any work stories or anything that's just wild that people would find interesting from your job over the last year and a half? Give me the best. Well, I have one story I can tell you. I'm ready for it. So one lady, she has multiple personality disorder. And then the other lady, she has dementia. But like, it's like early on dementia. It's not like late progressive. There's different stages. Anyways, they were having trivia and these two do not like each other. And they will both seek for control in every situation. And the one with multiple personality disorder did not like that the other lady had control of whatever was going on. And she decided to take matters into her own hands, literally. And she came over and no one prepares you for stuff like this, took her wig off and she threw it across the table. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And also just men in the nursing home, they just say the most appropriate things that you don't think that they think that way, but they do. And so having to navigate that and still be nice and, you know, be, you know, be a professional, but learning to cut things and say, no, that's inappropriate is one thing I had to learn going into this because I did not expect elderly men to make inappropriate comments. So <laughs> they're doing it all the time. Do you think sometimes guys who are 80 are the same as 20 year old guys? Just older? Yeah. And I think they forget to, especially the ones with dementia, like they don't realize their age. Or they're just, they don't care, you know, like they just say like things that you would never think they that would come out of their mouth. And then I'm like stunned because I didn't expect it. And I'm like, okay. And then I just walk away. Pray for you. <laughs> I'm like, oh dear Lord, I need help right now. But yeah. That's wild. Well, what else do you got? Anything else interesting that people need to know if they're trying to get into occupational therapy? What are you, what are you leaving for advice? I would say to job shadow, whatever, no matter if it's OTPT speech or what area of interest you're in, if you can job shadow it and like really put yourself in that situation, because when I was in that job shadowing class, I job shadowed a dental hygienist and I realized, cause I probably would have went to school for it. Cause I had no idea. I knew I wanted to do something medical. I realized I didn't like anything about it. And I was like, dang, that really helped me. And just asking questions, research, and just, you know, getting people's honest opinions. Like I love being an OT. It's really hard, but it's a very rewarding job. And I think all the hard work that I had to do to get here is totally worth it because you truly get to impact people's lives in a very fulfilling way. Like I get to wake up and have a purpose that's bigger than my own. You know, you're there for people on their hardest days or people who don't have a family member. And you can be that person that shows love and kindness that they don't receive from other people. And just in any like setting in the medical field, everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people are desensitized. So learning to not get that way. And it's literally refreshing to the people that you're around. So if you're compassionate and you love people and you want to make a difference, then I think occupational therapy is a really good um, area of practice. Megan, you're so well put together. And that was the sweetest comment you could have finished on. <laughs> you're going to kill it. I uh, hope they give you $90 an hour. I hope it's unheard of. I hope everybody in the office is like, how the heck did Megan do this? And it's because you are you. 
So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you being on. And yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm sure I'll see you around. I'm sure I'll drop in your oh, live yeah. and we'll help you get on the TikTok live uh, festival that's going on. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. It's okay. so nice to meet you. Thanks for talking with me. I appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Good night.